Hi. Holy moly. It's the, it's the don't beat around the bush COVID edition. <laughs> oh my gosh. What a day yesterday. I'm so lucky that I feel good today though. Holy moly. It's been a week between Ash started feeling crappy on Saturday. It's now Friday. So almost a week ago. Was he just like carrying on as per usual? Was he off? Was he uh, home from work that week? He had Monday off. Uh-huh. So he's been home because he's quarantining. So he started getting crappy on Saturday, started mm-hmm. quarantining himself on Sunday. Our power went out at noon for 30 hours. So he was isolating as the kids and I were just oh my God. doing whatever. And then the thing I've learned from this is to not test too early because he took a test on Saturday night. After he was symptomatic, but it came up negative. And so he thought he was in the clear once he started feeling better on Monday. Um, Then Tuesday, he went to work and he came home like his throat hurt because he had a lot of meetings and he was talking a lot. Um, And he's I'm like, you just really should test because the kids go back to school tomorrow. Like we just should know. And it it came back positive so then I'm like great like so then I got everyone tested on Wednesday and just today I got all the tests back and everyone's negative but I'm sure I had it yesterday I'm sure oh yeah I tested the morning on Wednesday morning and I became symptomatic Wednesday night so don't test too early (laughs) so then if you tested today and you were positive today then would the kids then still because then they're close contact so they're not symptomatic and they're all vaccinated so the boys could have gone I called a school nurse and she's like if they're not having any symptoms they can come to school and I was just like I just don't feel right about that like I just I need to know that they're negative because they both have cases in their classes and then with someone in your household I was like right yeah, I'm not. Well, and especially cool with, with like how the variant is now is like so contagious. It's so crazy. Like if it's in your house, basically, it's in your house. Like there's no. We're like wearing masks around the kids in vain, I'm sure, but they've been fine. No symptoms. They've been acting normal. It was a great week, though, to do this because they had Monday, Tuesday off. And then today, school is canceled because we mm. got a lot of rain yesterday and it froze. And then we're supposed to get snow. So they really only missed two days which is great. Mm. <laughs> so nice. I'm like, yeah. So hopefully next week we're back to normal, but yeah, mm. yesterday I felt like, you know, when you're a kid and you slam your head on the ground, you fall backwards, like, and you slam your head on like a hard surface. That's how I felt like all day. Like, just like I've heard the, other people say that they get like this horrible headache. Yeah. Oh, it's, it was so bad. And then, and then in the afternoon, I just started puking one, like one bout of it. And then after that, like a half hour, I was like, I'm so hungry. And I ate like, I ate everything. I ate steak. I ate a brownie. I, I like, ate, I ate so much and I felt great. And I was like, I think I'm over this. <laughs> You're good though. Yeah, that's good. I mean, that's the ideal scenario is that you've done everything you can to not get it. You get it because such is life. But you know. I'm All sure right. it was from Ash's work. I'm sure of it. They have a bunch of cases at work. I think there's been a lot of people with quote unquote colds mm-hmm. that have right. not been testing. So even though they're wearing masks, like I'm sure it came from them. Yeah, I was glad it was short lived. So in the mix of all this, like on Wednesday, right after we tested, I was still feeling good. I am talking to someone about fostering puppies. <laughs> uh, what? <laughs> like, like yeah, they need help. Thing. Just the thing you need to add to your plate for sure. I know, like four week old puppies that like need to be fed every like four hours. Um, And I'm like, yeah, I think I'll be good. I I think like, I think I'm in the clear whatever. And she's like, well, let's just wait till your tests come back. I'm like, okay, cool. Thank God, because I would not have been able to take care of puppies yesterday. But what, like with what group? It takes a village. It's the same rescue that mom and dad Uh, adopted Carolina from so they had two litters of puppies last week and come in and one that doesn't have a mom and so Mm -hmm. they were being bottle fed um and so I put the application in on Monday 
because it was like power out bored as hell like huh what do I need in my life I need puppies (laughs) and so then um I was like talking to them all week yeah so we might still get them and have them for like a month until they're adopted also I did not lose my taste or smell I feel like that's happening less now, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> and so, like, I'm drinking coffee. Like, when I woke up yesterday and I'm like, I don't even want coffee, I was like, this is not, not going to be a good day. <laughs> but anyway, um, so, yeah, we might get two puppies. Nice. I mean, fun. to foster, not to keep. Right. Yeah. Right. But that would just be kind of like a yeah, fun little adventure. <laughs> yeah. So that that's what's going on over here. And then we're nice. we have snow nice. coming and maybe more power outages. We'll see. Oh <sighs> yeah. I feel like the the power lines there are just so old school that basically if you have high winds or ice or snow of any kind, it's like you're done. Because the just ice. the pine trees then hit the power lines and then the amount of huge trees that were down was amazing. Like downtown Southern Pines, like huge trees were down like across the roads. They took the power lines completely down yeah. and those people were out of power for like three days or so. It was crazy. Um, we yes. had one big branch that we lost that came near the house, but it squished some of our bushes I, and it's too heavy for me. I can't like get it out of there. So we'll have to get a chainsaw, but it was like amazing. The ice just like wreaked havoc and the kids were like outside playing. And then all of a sudden, like all these pine cones and pine needles and branches would just randomly like fall. And I'm like, okay, let's, let's go inside. Yeah. This scary. is not safe. Um, so we used to, when Bobby and I got married, we lived in kind of a couple of miles from downtown Southern Pines and we had a, a chest freezer. So we got married during a hurricane, as you know, and um, we had this big chest freezer that we had moved from our old garage into this apartment because we, the night before a wedding, we had this huge pig roast. Um, that Bobby's family made an underground pig and it was amazing, but there was a lot of this humongous pig left. And so we put it in the chest freezer in our house, but we had lost power the day of the wedding at our house, but we hadn't been at our house until the next afternoon. I know what it smells like when a pig goes bad. Robot. Both you and Jackie had that experience. We've never had. It was like this one. I guess. I mean, ours was slightly better in that it was fully cooked already, but it still smells like a dead body. Like it smells like a rotting dead body. Like one hundred percent. Yeah. That's and so crazy. Our, our For one day, house, one day it went bad. Yeah, because it was. I think it was pretty warm day. That's crazy. We didn't have our freezer food unthaw which was nice but it was cold out you know it was cold in the house it got into the 40s in the house Mm, yeah that's cool oh my gosh it has been in like it it don't like warm up to like the 30s for a day and then it will go back into deep freeze and so we're in like a deep freeze right now and it sucks man like I (laughs) hate it like I haven't gone for a walk with the dog in Definitely not since we were in Canada. Uh, (laughs) I just don't go outside. I just literally, I will run from the house to the car. The car will already be started. I'll start it from the house. Sprint. I'm screaming at the kids as I'm trying to get them in the car. Like, hurry, hurry. (laughs) My hands are cold. And I'm just like, why? Why? Yeah, if we move to West Point, that'll be... That'll be our story. And I'm so, like, I don't know. So, so I grew up in Toronto area and then went to Syracuse, which is not far from there, just a bit south of there. And and then even West Point's a bit south of there. It's not the same kind of cold. That's it's different. like a completely, it's a completely different kind of cold here. I thought, like oh, I'm chilling. This is like bone to your bone cold. Like we would get cold temperatures and then a wind chill, like a wind, was it wind chill, wind Windshield. I think it was windshield, but that's <laughs> Me not, too. That's not right. But anyway, so it like the base temperature would always be just like hanging around freezing. And then if it did get like way below freezing, it would be because of the wind. But here it's like the base temperature is like 
minus 10 and then you add the wind and it's oh god it's like you're in five seconds running from the car to the building is like your eyelashes are frozen your nose yep. mucus is frozen and i'm like no i don't remember that ever happening where i grew up Mm-mm. in college because i went to duluth which is like north two and a half there. hours north of the cities and on lake superior and there was one time it hit negative 40 when i was in school and like that was the only time they decided to cancel classes <laughs> was that one time um but yeah they were like don't go outside you will get frostbit <laughs> like yeah just don't no there outside. has been times so the what like to get the kids out of the their car seats and unbuckled you can't always have your gloves on so I'm trying to get, and then it's so sketchy because you can't have their kids' winter coats on in the car seats. Have so you lately seen I've the been, car seat coats? Well, now Robert's getting too big for like, he, I need to get him a new car seat. That's just like a forward car seat, but I have been bringing his car seat into the house uh-huh. and like bundling, like putting him in and then like bundling him up. Cause it's just like, I don't want to have there be an issue for an accident because your coat is on, but also we're going to freeze in the 10 seconds it takes to run from the house to the car to school or whatever. And no, I took the coldest day we've had. Robert had his like pre-op appointment. And so I literally was sprinting from the car, grabbed him sprinting inside, but I didn't have my gloves on because I had just gotten him out of the car seat. So I grabbed the metal door handle to go in, pull it open to go into the doctor's office and my hands stick to it. Oh my gosh. Because it was metal that was so cold and I got like ice burn on my hands. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's this place. Like, please. They have special jackets for car seats that are super thin. Do you follow follow safe in the seat? No, I've never heard of like an Instagram page where she details like all the things that are really are like safe to do with car seats and not safe to do with car seats. Hmm. And like, if you post on Instagram, ever your kid in their car seats, you'll probably get 10 people yep. like messaging you being like their car seats aren't done off properly. One time I was like, the car was stopped and off. Robert was napping. And so he was unbuckled. And I was just like standing <laughs> next to him, waiting for him to wake up. And I got like hate messages. It's and I was so like, crazy. I wasn't driving like this. <laughs> my, the car was never showing my kids in their car seats ever again. Like literally never. Yeah, safe and seat. And so she says, like, all those special jackets are no good. Really? Um, yeah, like, there are certain things that you are safe, but it's like there's a lot of them that aren't safe. That you shouldn't have any mirrors, like any kid mirrors, yeah. any like anything that's hanging on or attached on, because then it will fl- just fly off and like hit them. Yep. So I was thinking about this, like, with Rhino in the car, right? Like, when mm-hmm. we go on trips, I'm like, how bad would that be? to have like 160 pounds just like thrown around a car if we got in an accident but what are you supposed to do i think they do have like animal like restraints do they where you like just pin him down or clip him into somewhere because he's on the floor he's not on a seat that's the thing too like the ones i've seen they like are Mm. they sit him in a seat and buckle him in but rhino is literally on the floor with our collapsible seats so I was like, that would be in the back or is he in 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 the back, in the back? Cause I've thought about like putting him in the middle and all the kids in the back. I'm like, no, that would be really unsafe if he was just like able to fly around. But yeah, I think when we did our big drive with Betty, she was like behind our stuff. Yeah. Like we left her space, like right at the back. That's what we did for Christmas. And the, like all the kids were in the second row and then it was our stuff. And then Ryan away in the back. I think that's fine. But usually he'll be like, like one kid is in the way back seat and he's on the two seats that are folded down. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, and welcome to the Don't Beat Around the Bush podcast. I'm Addie Holzman. And I'm Haley Kava. We're friends, pelvic floor physical therapists, moms, and occasional hot messes who are here for real, uncensored conversations about all things pelvic health. And because our conversations are uncensored, they're likely not appropriate for little ears. Please remember our disclaimer. Although we both are licensed physical therapists, we are not your physical therapist. Yeah, anyways. 
and our content is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. Please consult your own healthcare team for individualized advice, diagnoses, and treatment. <laughs> so what are we going to talk about today? Are we going to give tips on postpartum 101? Okay, yeah, our best postpartum tips. Postpartum. I think the biggest thing is... I know what you're going to say. I think You know? I think oh, I know I, what you're going to say. No, I'm going to just say like perspective. Oh, okay. That's not what I think. It's like hugely, hugely important. I think with, with my first and not really like putting much energy into what postpartum entails or even really understanding, like I didn't appreciate the like joy in that, that period of like just being comfortable with like sitting in holding your baby for hours on end and like, I don't know, just respecting the slowness that's coming Mm -hmm. with that. Yeah. There's a Julian other good, excuse me. There's like a Julian other good tips, but to me, that was like the biggest difference mentally from first time to second time was like, no, I doesn't matter if I get dressed. It doesn't matter if I do anything I'm healing and I'm present and I'm here and versus I feel like with Cam, it was like, okay, can I get up and can I get dressed and can we go out and do something? And can we, but now I got to make myself look like I didn't just have a baby and like, I didn't care. Yeah. I I know. It's like, where does that pressure come from that we feel like we have to bounce back in two days and look like we did before baby? Like, it's just like newborn photos, right? Like I I posted a while back about like how whenever I see people who do newborn photos in their home, Mm -hmm. I'm like, that stresses me out now. The thought of like, not only do I have to take these photos of myself where like I'm looking different than I normally look because I'm swollen because I just gave birth and my house has to be clean and look good and everyone has to be dressed nicely. And like, I've definitely done newborn photos both times, but just to those and then layers. And then knowing that like when people see these photos, are they going to be like analyzing my shape? Are they going to be looking at my body? So I don't know, is that a self-imposed thing or is that a real thing? Because like me, when I look at, I mean, when I look at anyone, I'm not critiquing their shape or figure. Right. I'm like, oh, that's just, that's them. Like, and like newborn photos, like from an outside, people are probably looking at the baby. Right. But like your inner critic is like, right. Oh, what, you know? And it's just so sad because I think it steals so much joy away from, from moms when you're like and how how do we get there like how do we get there I don't know like is it you were just inundated with like these messages like our whole lives I don't know but it's sad yeah it's, like if I were real. to do at home newborn photos I would be like I am right now like in my robe you look great <laughs> right now you look super comfy right now I'm jealous with my hair in a messy bun my eyebrows are out of control no bra like right? What? Do you have a bra on? No, hell no. No, this is a braless podcast. <laughs> this is a braless podcast. I think we established that once we went distance, once we went distance, this is a no bra podcast. If you're listening to this podcast, you better like just unhook it right now yeah, so that like you can go. <laughs> then your ears like fully can hear and appreciate all of the information when you're not wearing a tight ass bra. <laughs> You know what? The best thing about having a home gym is that 90% of the time I do not wear a bra. So I cannot do that. I I, am I have a limit on that. <laughs> but you're still, I mean, you I still, still have got those something. breastfeeding, breastfeeding boobs. Yeah. But even just... even not breastfeeding, I just feel like I'm a little, I'm a little too, too big for that. <laughs> I wish I was too big for that. But maybe, maybe after, like maybe once I'm done this time, because last time I went from breastfeeding to pregnant, so I never really got the that postpartum boob loss. I can't remember. I think between Owen and Elsie, I got pretty small, I think. 
if I remember, because Owen and David are only 16 months apart. So I was still breastfeeding when I got pregnant again, but I'm pretty sure I shrunk real good. And then it came back with Elsie and then shrunk even faster <laughs> after her. I know. I, so uh, I've decided I'm not pumping anymore when Robert's at school and he's been sleeping pretty good through the night. And so I'm hoping my supply like starts dropping off and we can start to wrap up this process. <laughs> <laughs> wrap it up. <laughs> so, so right now I'm not like actively trying to wean. I'm just trying to decrease my supply so that he's less interested in getting him to eat, you know, more other foods and have it be maybe organic as possible. Yeah. A new season is approaching. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yes. Yes. So what I thought you were going to say okay. <laughs> as a postpartum tip was to manage your constipation. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Which is Obviously. always like always uh, manage your expectations one. and then manage your constipation. Yes. <laughs> that yes. should be on a t-shirt. <laughs> manage your expectations and then manage your constipation. <laughs> Ash probably managing your expectations will help you manage your constipation because you won't be so tight asshole. Yeah. So, okay. Manage constipation and expectations. I think that literally could be the umbrella overarching like postpartum advice. I think everything else fits in those two things. <laughs> and then getting a PT, of course. Right. <laughs> right. And it's like, let's slow it down. Let's take time to like focus because really, honestly, the focus will shift so quickly. I think as we're preparing for birth, uh, particularly with first time moms, we're like putting so much thought into birth. We're putting so much thought into like, getting ready for birth or being nervous about birth or being nervous about postpartum recovery. But then really once the baby's here, you know, plus or minus any major issues, like maybe significant perennial tears or whatever, is like you are so focused then on trying to like feed this child or care for this child. And, and so I feel like it does make it really difficult to, it's not like, right out of the gate, we're going to be like, okay, here's our hour a day workout that we're going to do for our, our recovery. That's just not, that's not realistic. Um, unless you're a professional athlete and you're trying to get back to your professional athletics within six months or something like that. Um, really it's like recognizing the amount of healing that needs to go on in our uterus, which has a humongous plate size wound in it, uh, healing in the vaginal walls that have stretch to 10 times their resting resting length, our pelvic floor muscles 117 times. And so, or having 117%, so not times, like just recognizing these physiological things and recognizing that they require rest. And, you know, not just exclusively rest and not exclusively exercises, there's this sort of gradient of progression that might be different for everyone. So the six week, um, check off is largely healing. So your providers are going to see you. Maybe if you're lucky, they'll see you before then, um, or a couple times, but that's very, very seldom. Usually you're going to be seen around six weeks, give or take. And they're just looking at tissue healing. They're looking at, is your uterus like healing? Well, how's your pelvic floor doing any like tearing stuff like that? Um, they're not looking are, at, they're not even checking your pelvic floor. Not, it's not, not usually like it's a OBGYNs in particular are, and midwives are organ doctors. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, they pelvic are, floor, like healing, I meant like if you tore and sometimes yeah, the they even... so maybe looking at tears and stitches, but not necessarily the pelvic floor. Cause you can have significant damage to your pelvic floor without any outward thing that's obvious on the outside. So when they clear you to do stuff, they're basically saying, Hey, you're healing. Great. Like now, here, like, here's the checkoff for you to it's, go progress there. They say yeah. you can do anything. They mean your tissue is healed. So you can start doing other they things. They mean, they mean you're not at risk for developing a crazy uterine infection. If you have sex, that's what yep. they mean. Yep. So 
it's confusing though, because it's like, oh, yay. Like I got, I got the check off. I'm good to go. But really you have to retrain those movements and rebuild that foundation and work on your mobility and your control and awareness over those. It's not saying, Hey, yeah, go run three miles. You're good to go. It's like, go for some walks, just jog a little bit. So on the, so the issue really is that when you go on the ACOG website, so ACOG is American College of Obstetrics and Gynecologists, which you would assume would be sort of the, whoops, the authority on uh, postpartum pregnancy. <laughs> yeah. Way back when I first like downloaded TikTok and was trying to figure out TikTok and then abandon it and then have come back now. <laughs> it, I was like looking back through an old TikTok I put up that was like, let me just hop on the ACOG website here and show you what these exercise recommendations are. And it's like benefits of exercising in the postpartum period, weight loss. Oh, <laughs> dear God. It's like pelvic floor strengthening exercises called Kegels can be done. <laughs> and it's like, you can also do exercises like push-ups, squats, planks, lunges. Are you serious? I'm, I literally <laughs> can pull it up. And I'm, I like during the, this TikTok, I was like, so should I do those, all those things right, like right away? <laughs> like, oh my so the gosh. guidance is just really crappy. And, and so it's like, how, do, if this is the authority that people who are employed or like who are part of this college of obstetrics and gynecologists, this is where they're getting this information. And this is the gold standard of education, apparently. No, I'm going to say no. I still think there should be a pelvic floor PT in every OB office everywhere. And then you could just like hand it off. That's what it like. That's I made a post a long time ago. It's like a handoff, like the six week handoff from like your medical provider, birth provider to your PT or movement, movement professional, because push-ups are not something that you should be doing in six weeks. Let me me pull it up right now. Where is it? It says some of the benefits of exercise for postpartum women helps to strengthen and tone abdominal muscles. It boosts energy, may help prevent postpartum depression, promotes better sleep, relieves stress, and can help you lose the extra weight that you may have gained during pregnancy. I don't even think they should talk about weight loss, (laughs) but that's just a bias. So how much can I exercise after a baby? Should we get at least 150 minutes of moderate intensity activity? Yeah, no, no mention of like, Let's heal the parts of your body that have just been maxed out. Whether you had an incision through your abdomen, which 30% of women in this country do, or your vagina tore or your perineum tore as a baby came out of your body. So here's the thing. I feel like that highlights a very big kind of, I don't know, not, not misconception, but people think exercise equals weight loss exercise equals, and it, and it does, but that's where PT is different. Like PT, we're looking at function. We're looking at movement control and body mechanics and, you know, being able to do the exercise things, feeling good instead of just like, Oh, my knee hurts with these squats, but I'm just going to keep doing a million of them. Yeah. I'll say time and time again, I'm not a strength conditioning coach. Yeah. I'm a physical therapist and there's a difference. I, yeah. I'm a rehab professional. It's a, to say that you don't need rehabilitation after giving birth is kind of like saying you tore your ACL and you need to start doing exercise to lose weight that you might've gained from when you were immobile after injuring your ACL. And if exercise doesn't feel good, you're not going to do it, right? Like a lot of people, if it hurts, they're not going to do it. That's why you need a PT to show you how to do it pain-free, pelvic floor symptom-free, so that you do enjoy moving and you do enjoy working out or just like connecting with your body. And it's not just this like, oh, I have to make it through this half hour, even though every part of me hurts. Right. So that's and then I'm, and then I'm doing this as like a punishment to my body 
to make it smaller versus strengthen my body or improve my body's function. And like the mindset on shift on that is really important. Yeah. Like move your body because it feels good and it, and it, and it should increase your spirits and like your, you know, your endorphins and you should feel good when you move, if you're not getting pain or peeing yourself or your organs wanting to come out, you know? So that's where PT comes in. That's why you don't want to skip the PT part because you want to feel good when you Mm. exercise. Um, I will say that postpartum is an opportunity, right? Postpartum is an opportunity to hit the reset button so hard. Like you're mm -hmm. hitting that reset button so hard. So let's now take it like bit by bit and build on that bit by bit. So now you have this foundation that was better and more capable and stronger and with less compensation than it was maybe before. Mm-hmm. And that that's not an unreasonable goal of postpartum that we just assume that somehow we're going to just be inherently worse every time we're postpartum is bullshit. And I hate that. It's like being broken and painful and peeing yourself is just rights of motherhood. Whereas like, no, take it like from my experience. Yeah. Going through prolapse, it, it, it wasn't always fun. It was super frustrating. It was a lot of ups and downs and setbacks, but through those years of like having to tune in to how I was feeling and learn what felt good and what didn't and learn those thresholds and my boundaries with movement, I am so much stronger now than I ever was before kids. Mm-hmm. And it's that like connecting with your body and appreciating your body not torturing it with movement, you know, that it can be a really cool journey and a really helpful journey. And you totally can come out on the other side way stronger. And you can do any, you can do any of your goals, your movement goals, run a marathon. Sure. But you have to do the steps to get there. It's a, it's a process and it takes time and energy. Mm -hmm. Um, So just jumping back into exercise is not, it you have to rebuild and kind of frame it that way like you're never going to get your body back because postpartum is forever so how do we get there culturally how do we get away from this like (laughs) i'm clear now i'm clear it's six weeks like now i will now here we go uh so i have been in a little bit of a tiktok uh rabbit hole with poop tiktok is dangerous i don't recommend oh (laughs) ash won't let me get tiktok (laughs) so one of my instagram reels i post i've been posting my instagram stuff over on tiktok like older stuff and just trying to get all the content over there and one of the reels when i post i wasn't expecting i had like 100 followers i wasn't expecting anything to blow up um but the butt wiping reel that had blown up earlier on instagram now has a million views on TikTok. <laughs> and so the fecal uh, smearing one. Yeah. So I've been just on TikTok more like engaging and and trying to figure out like, yeah, like how do these sounds work? How do trends work on TikTok? How do you how do you use like how do you make your own unique ideas on TikTok? And then but also you need to play the game of like being in the trend. Anyway, there's a whole <laughs> But when you're doing that, you consume a lot of content and that's a lot of time and it's not productive. (laughs) So, so, but I found this account that I'm actually obsessed with (laughs) and her name's Drew Afal. Afal. Oh crap. She's Polynesian. I should know how to pronounce her name. She's Samoan, I think. Drew Afalo. And she's got like 4 million followers now, almost 5 million followers and all she does is take misogynistic TikToks and stitches oh. them, which basically means she interrupts them, cuts off their video, and she just roasts them. Like, <laughs> and it is the best freaking thing I have ever seen. I'm so obsessed with her. I'm so obsessed with her because, like, that's what I would want my little Polynesian daughter to be like. <laughs> to be like a bad bitch not taking shit from nobody and there was the one like one of her recent ones was this guy on a podcast talking on a podcast on his dude podcast right oh my god about 
who's not married, doesn't have a girlfriend, I don't think, doesn't have any kids. And he's like, did you see it? I think and he so. Was like, he was like, my wife, after she has kids, I'm going to tell her one time that she needs to get her stuff together because I need to be sexually attracted to oh, my wife. Oh, I didn't wife see that one. If she oh, lets herself go shit. after giving birth. And then Drew's face is just on there like, I cannot roast the fucking shit out of him. And it's so, so funny. And she, she's like, all right, let's make an agreement. I won't let myself go, but you can't go bald. (laughs) 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 Oh my God. Like essentially, you know, equivalencies of like, I can't necessarily control my genetics. I can't control how my hormones dictate this like weight distribution that will happen in my body after a major event, like giving birth will affect me just as well as you can't control the hormones that impact your hairline as you oh age. God. So Oof. like, you're not going to be attracted to me if I'm a fatty. Well, I'm not attracted to bald guys. So F you. Hopefully he never gets married. Also, oh. did you see the video I put up the Jimmy Kimmel Kimmel um oh people not knowing like any of their anatomy oh it was crazy I still have to quiz my kids I wanted to like quiz the kids um but I wanted like my real pelvis the 3d one because I don't think they'd be able to conceptualize like the 2d picture Mm -hmm, but it's mm -hmm. at work and I haven't been at work so anyway um did you catch did you watch that and did you catch the guy who on the like sagittal um split like the side view he thought like the clitoris or the urethra was the anus and like Mm. her butt was her stomach and he made some comment like oh yeah she's chunky and I was like what I was like fuck you dude you don't know you don't know your anatomy to know that that's her butt and you would probably like her butt to be big so shut the fuck up if you don't know your asshole from your clitoris, <laughs> you are the problem. My business. <laughs> and like, I will like give them like most people haven't seen like 2D pictures of things. So like, I get it. Like, I know that's, you know, that's probably not instinctual to. to but for real though, artist. like if you don't but know the difference between a uh, butthole and a clitoris, then <laughs> like. I was like, dear God. Oh my gosh. It was, I don't know if I was, if I should laugh or cry at that video. I was just like, this is, this is bad. Cry for his partner. If he had a partner there. Did you see the gynecologist husband? Um, the, the end, she was a gynecologist and he was like getting everything, everything wrong. And she was so embarrassed. She's like, this is, not okay I can only imagine the conversation after like going home (laughs) anyway um so what are some things I have some things in mind that people do not tell you about the postpartum period that surprise the hell out of you one was they keep pushing on your damn uterus in the hospital the fundal is not entirely evidence-based and it hurts like we want it if we really want to get into it. Um, but yeah, that is interesting. Super. I didn't have a whole lot of, um, I didn't have a whole lot of postpartum cramping with my first, but with my second. It gets worse yeah. every time. Nobody told me that the yeah. cramping oh. gets worse. Every baby. So cramp bark. I did not try it, but I have heard that cramp bark. It's like a tincture, um, is really helpful for postpartum cramping. Interesting. Um, I used I also a TENS did unit. TENS and then I did some ibuprofen and just like, or, you know, or over the counter. And that all seemed to help. And then just sort of like, yeah, breathing through them like you'd breathe through, <laughs> through contractions. The issue being that usually you're breastfeeding when it happens. So it's not oh. like you can like move around really. As if breastfeeding wasn't challenging enough. Like just add cramps onto it. Yeah, <laughs> for, for real. So yeah, cramp, cramp bark. I was, I was caught off guard by engorgement and like the breast porn boobs. <laughs> That's what fully. I when I was like newly postpartum and my milk came in 
at home. I was like, what the actual F is happening? <laughs> Thankfully, there was like a sweet, sweet little lactation consultant at the hospital who was so helpful. And I did get some like cabbage leaves and I was soaking my boobs into warm water. And like, literally both my parents are there. I'm in the kitchen topless. <laughs> Submerging my giant, engorged, veiny, hard rock boobs. They're so hard. They're, I was like, what? They're going to rip. In a humongous like... Pyrex measuring bowl. Like, you know oh those like God. huge Pyrex measuring yes. bowls? I yes. filled it with warm water and I just on the counter, it's overflowing water, overflowing <laughs> water on the counter, on the floor. And my, like my, both of my parents are just watching me. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> Like I was sure like with David, I remember because that was the first time I like woke up and like it felt like my skin was going to just rip. Like, they were they were so huge. I was like, since when did I turn into Pamela Anderson? Like these right. things. You're walking I'm, around like, <laughs> like crazy. Ash was really impressed. And I'm like, don't you fucking touch them. Yeah. These are not sexual. Not even close. <laughs> oh my gosh yeah yeah man and then you're trying and then you try to like get a, a baby whose mouth is like super tiny latched on to like this giant boob I'm like who designed this mess like what is going on uh, <laughs> like, yeah so boobs were definitely uh uh shocking for sure <laughs> The bleeding so the bleeding like i me. think i think it was you at my baby shower it was like you and um, melissa had given me like um different like boob things and different diapers things and i remember being like diapers i'm gonna have to wear diapers yeah how long <laughs> like i i didn't real i didn't even really know how long or how much you bled for postpartum forever the longest yeah. period of your life. <laughs> yeah, I did yeah. not. I did not. And so that was, um, I mean, I knew after I got that stuff, I was like, oh, I should probably read about this, I guess. Uh, if this is the thing. Yeah. Like, why didn't they not tell you this stuff? I don't get it. Like, the little things that, like, shock you, but it's, like, completely. Like, like, you have oh, so yeah. many appointments right yeah they could have been like that like, last appointment mention it offhand <laughs> like hey just so you know get like those a pads pamphlet. ready <laughs> like give me a pamphlet I did okay we really with with Cam we really didn't know preparing honestly but I did go to the hospital labor class and I did go to the hospital breastfeeding class and learned nothing about my rock hard Pamela Anderson <laughs> or how long I would be bleeding for <laughs> it's it's mind-blowing we need to make pamphlets like across for a crop maybe we should when, so when I was thinking. in when I was in Moore County that was something that I had been talking to Elsa about and talking to Pioneer Surgical about was like can I make can I make handouts like that or talk to the hospital and be like what can we get approved in terms of handouts to give in the hospital and like would I like to, yes, put my logo at the bottom on it really small with my phone number? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would. But I but I also want to give a crap ton of free information to women to help support their postpartum healing. And that's going to take me time, energy, money to, to produce. And um, yeah, I think they were like all open to it. It was just a matter of like, okay, well now we need to get hospital administration people on board and like and so then it never really like you know turned beyond that but I think that's something that they would be open to for sure well I have a PA that works at Pinehurst Surgical that wants to hand out pamphlets like public floor pamphlets that I made so yeah I'll like I need to go drop those off but also they need they to have hiring anyone at Pinehurst Surgical because I know they had like a, a list um a job posting out for two they were trying to hire two public floor physical therapists I have no idea. I should ask my friend who works there, but they also need to have a pamphlet on C-section. What you like, even like touching the scar and looking at it, like those early weeks and then like the progression of how you would start mobilizing it. And when like ever, I don't think I've ever had a C-section mom come in and be like, oh yeah, they told me that. 
Like, oh yeah, I've been doing that. They don't tell you anything. Like, yeah. how the hell? That's so easy. Like, so easy to just be like, hey, at some point, you know, you're going to want to mobilize a scar so that, you know, you can regain control over your abs and your bladder and all of this stuff with not have scar tissue limit you. But never, I don't, I don't ever remember a C-section mom coming in and be like, oh yeah, I knew that. It blows my mind. Mm-hmm. Like blows. Well, and mind. I think that's part of why we do what we do on social media and do what we do with the podcast so that then hopefully, again, like we've said, even if it's one person to having the courage to go to their provider and say, or seek out information and take that information to their provider um, and say, you know, I've been reading a lot about C-section scar mobilization. Um, how do you, um, how do you feel about me starting that, you know, or progressing that now? How does my scar feel? Can you, t- you know, just, just those types of things that I think that because we work in this world and we live in this world 24 seven, we, we take that for granted. Um, that people, we assume that people just know these things when that's not right. the case. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I feel like in general, the education, yes, that's why we do what we do, but the education needs to be better. What else would, other than a PT, and a PT is going to be able to guide you, right? Like give you specific individualized advice and guidance, which is gold. That's the gold standard. Find a pelvic floor PT, even if that means like online, right? Like if you don't have one in your area, there's so much that can be established in an online appointment. Um, And Haley loves her virtual appointments. So get on her schedule. (laughs) But yeah, I think constipation, perspective management, bleeding, cramping. I had someone ask me uh, on Instagram about like how to splint. Mm, That's a good one. And what does that mean? And because it's not uncommon. It's probably more common that it is not that for bowel movements postpartum, you're going to need to splint to protect your perineum, to protect your stitches potentially, and to actually help your bowels empty properly so that you don't end up constipated because the vaginal wall, whether you had a vaginal birth or not is definitely the vaginal wall is like, has undergone some uh, pretty intense stretching. The rectum whether there's prolapse there or not, if the rectum is full of hard stool, that hard stool is going to press into the vaginal wall and can sometimes get trapped because it's sort of kinked as it's coming coming down out the rectum. And so when that happens, our body will tell us that we need to bear down and create more downward pressure to help move that stool out of that pocket into your out of, out of your body. But if we splint and support the perineum, then we can, our efforts are usually then that we have to strain less and it's a little easier to support those tissues that are healing um, in the vaginal wall, in the perineum, so that that bowel movement is easier. So in the early postpartum period, like the first few weeks is what I recommend is usually external splinting. So the space between your vagina and your anus is that you're just pushing back on that so that when you bear down or when you're, when you're, poop is coming down and you would feel intense pressure on your perineum. You're just creating back pressure with that. And then Mm -hmm. as you get beyond, if you're still having trouble with emptying or needing to strain or feeling like your poop is stuck, that's when I would go with like a clean thumb or inside the vaginal canal or something like the Femi's paddle inside the vaginal canal to support that posterior vaginal wall, which again is still healing significantly for a, you know, I'd say like 12 to 20 weeks and make it so that those bowel movements are easier and more complete without straining. Mm-hmm. And there's absolutely nothing to be ashamed about with that. And I think that would be like being ashamed of using crutches after you sprained your ankle, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, I can't possibly be seen using crutches. Well, also when you're in the bathroom, you're alone. Right. Yeah. No one needs to know that you're doing that, but you need, but what you should know and you should be proud of and empowered in, and that you're helping support your healing of your body, Mm -hmm. um, in a way that is totally normal and totally helpful. And yeah, there's no need to feel 
like shameful of that or that you need to push through that or that you can't do that. Right. And I think that goes back to the cultural messages we get of like, like shame around our genitals and knowing our anatomy and touching things. It's like, no, that's your body. Mm-hmm. You can touch your body. That's yours. <laughs> like you yeah, should know your body. You. Yeah. <laughs> and like sure. I say that being one of those people way back, you know, like oh, I mean, I've was come like, on the podcast and said the first time postpartum this time that I actually needed to splint internally to get some poop out, I was mortified. I, yeah. I felt like that stressed me out big time. And I didn't I didn't want to have to do that. But doing that for a few days was like 10 times better than perpetually straining for two weeks and then actually creating prolapse symptoms or um, worsening prolapse. Yep. So would I take a thumb in my vagina pushing my poop? 100%. Think of it this way. At least we can do that. Cause guess who can't do that? Men, Yeah. Right? men cannot do that. <laughs> so They just have to fissures. live with straining and hemorrhoids and fissures and Right. They don't they have can, to live with they it. They can but. splint externally, I suppose. Like another I mean, way to splint um, that I don't feel like people and like I don't really talk about enough, but it's actually splinting back like on the back side. So I used to instinctually do that. Like mm-hmm. from so high putting school. Some on, pressure like here. Right under your tail. I would go right under, under the my tailbone. tailbone. On either yeah. side, kind of under the tailbone. Um, because if there's just, yeah, it's like the, the stool is not lining up over the chute the way that it should. And so pressure in the front and pressure in the back can sometimes help line things up the way it needs to, to be lined up. Um, so that would really help me. Like for 10 years, I did that almost every time because with like fissures and, um, having a super tight ass anyway, but then I was wondering, does that pressure in the back push things forward and stress your posterior vaginal wall? I don't know. I like, don't think so. I, th- I I think the stool itself, if it's that hard and that difficult to pass, like whether or not you push on the on the back, if you're if it's pushing to the back and you're straining, it's still pelvic floor pressure that we don't want. That's true. So whatever um, helps that bowel movement be more productive and less effortful is going to be good. Yeah. And I still like prefer that way versus like, I've tried the internal splinting and it, it does help. I think it does, but I don't know, for whatever reason, it's quicker to do it under the tailbone. I don't Mm -hmm. know. That's just my anatomy. But different ways of splinting that maybe people hadn't tried or thought of that. Yeah. It can be, can be super, can be super helpful because again, yeah, there's no need to struggle with those those challenges but what else postpartum so i would say padsicles are cool but i probably only use them for a couple like a day or two yeah i only ice well, like, i, think I in didn't the mind hospital. ice you didn't only ice in the hospital uh-huh. yeah i don't i didn't mind some ice at home i liked the mama strut and that the ice was just like a thin ice pack and i could wear it in the compression shorts yeah. The um, belly binders are compression. We should probably talk about Cause that's like yeah. a kind of a fat. I feel like that stems from like the fitness fat of like tightening up your belly, like super yeah. quickly postpartum. Yeah. But... I definitely felt good with my, I felt good with abdominal support. Like I did, I definitely felt sometimes for like a, a specific amount of time. Yeah. Not all day, all night, never took it off. But like, if I knew I had to be on my feet for a while, um, or I was baby wearing or something and I could feel like it was hard for me to, or I was like gripping my abs really hard to try to like keep everything contained is that I would just support it with the, the binder a little bit to just improve the efficiency of the abdominal wall, um, working. And then, yeah, always with some like perennial support at the same time, um, so things to watch out with binding is that you want your ribs to be able to move so mm-hmm. that you're not limiting your breathing or affecting your breathing patterns, but also you don't want it to be too tight where you feel like it's pressurizing your pelvic floor. So making sure like you find that right fit that's like supportive, but not restrictive. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I always just use tight camis. I felt like the nursing camis that were tighter were like easy, but also mm-hmm gave me some input but didn't 
squeezing too hard. Use the, I never use the Bayo Bay bloomers, but I've heard really good things about their graded compression from the perineum up to over the abdomen and that they feel really good. Um, the, um, the mama strut, which TRICARE will pay for if you have TRICARE, um, has perennial support and uh, abdominal support. And what I would do with that is I usually keep the perennial support on and then the abdominal like Velcro waist, I would like undo it or do it up just depending on what, what I wanted. Yeah. Um, before I was just sitting and relaxing, I'd undo it. If I was moving around a little bit more, I'd do it up. Um, yeah. And then another kind of garment that I highly, highly, highly recommend, especially if you're getting back pain or pelvic girdle pain is grippy socks. Mm. I live by grippy socks. I, five years postpartum, I still wear grippy socks literally all the time, especially when I work out. Um, so just increasing that friction between you and the floor can help decrease the tension in your back and kind of that protective guarding that we tend to get into. But so I what, what triggered the grippy socks? Is that something that someone had told you or <laughs> no. that you figured out? So I was at home. I was at home in Wisconsin. I don't know, a year after Elsie was born or Owen was born. And like, I had those trampoline socks. I just mm. had them with, I didn't. And I was like, I wore them on my parents, like wood floors. And I was like, holy cow, like my SI joints aren't hurting. Like my pubic bone isn't like super angry. And I was like, it must be these grippy socks. that like, I'm not sliding around the floor all the time. Mm -hmm. So yeah. then I started experimenting with like wearing them during workouts or walks. And I'm like, these totally make a difference. I'm just stabilizing. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. Yeah. No, I tell people that all the time. That's such a great, such a great tip. Yeah, it is so easy. Um, but even like years postpartum, when I was like running and stuff, it just like, if you're sliding, whether like your feet are dry and you're on like wood floors and it's slippery or you're wearing slippery socks, like in shoes that maybe the inserts are real slippery. Um, it's like you're ice skating, right? Like you don't have a lot of friction. So you kind of have to like tone up your back to stabilize yourself because you're not grounded. In that perpetual tightness can feed, you know, that posterior chain and, you know, pelvic floor and all that stuff. So super easy. I'm, I'm started giving grippy socks to all my postpartum moms. <laughs> like what else would you have in that kit? So like, what else would you have in the kit of things that you give a newly postpartum mom? Pelvic wand. Yep. Not, I mean, you got to wait a little while to use that. But I think it's a good tool um, for trigger point release and getting those obturator internus muscles calmed down. Um, if you have scarring to do scar mobilizations, if you tore with birth. And I think it's something that people, unless they're having real issues, they don't necessarily, they wouldn't buy it themselves. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a good, because, <laughs> you know, being a pelvic floor PT taking care of that pelvic floor. Um, I loved perennial spray those first like mm -hmm. week or two postpartum and like to spray before you had to go to the bathroom and after to just kind of calm things down. Mm -hmm. I liked my curved Perry bottle mm -hmm. so you could hold it in your hand and you didn't have to like, I know, like, and, like spray everywhere <laughs> um and that was just like a cheapo off of amazon that was good cox pads i like which you know witch hazel our friend who recommended the honey on the postpartum pads oh i did try that postpartum this time yeah it was good i you just have to use your prairie bottle to get it off once it's on but what's the benefit of the honey Honey has like antimicrobial and anti-inflammatory um, and bacterial properties and helps with pain, can help with pain and healing. And, and so I had like a small tear this time. And so that was felt good on there. Um, huh. The balms, like perennial balms, um, nipple balms, perennial balms. Yeah. Something for nipples. Do you use those silver? Discs, oh my gosh. Right? They were yes. good. I paid at the wazoo i mean they're not how much cheap. are they 
60 or 70 bucks for one pair yeah worth it but do you use the, <laughs> you use the same pair like the entire yeah yeah no time. you use yeah if they're silver i need to okay. i don't know where they are i might have given them to jackie actually and i don't you're not really supposed i think to you do did that, but, but no but seriously game changer like i was at the point with robert before his tongue tie release that like every time he latched i would just be like wincing in pain and like like knowing because I had been through it before like I needed to get this taken care of and literally put those on in a couple days it didn't I had no pain my nipples were completely healed and that's amazing I wish we still needed to address the issue the underlying issue but um I probably could have gone you know survived or it would have been less likely that I would have you know given up in those early weeks had you know, and maybe could I have powered through if, because we were getting releases done and all that other stuff done, you know, probably because I did with him, but like, um, it made things so much more comfortable and just, yeah, like, like little magical cups on your nipples. Yeah. I used a nipple shield for David. Mm-hmm. Um, I know like that's kind of a hot topic with lactation consultants, but it literally was the only thing that made me successful because I had, I, with David, my nipples were still in inverted. Right. And then they stretched out by LC. So I didn't have to use a shield by LC. So, um, that like literally was a game changer. Also, I think he needed his tongue tie released, but that's another story. (laughs) But like the, yeah, those things. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think there's any shame in that game either of like, you have to not have completely raw and bleeding nipples, yeah, because I so do what you got to do, man. Have, yeah, I would have. No, I use them with the Cam. I use them with Cam for a long time, and that was a big stressor for me. Actually, with Cam, was like, where is it? Mm-hmm. And is it where I need it to be? Is it in the bag? Can I go anywhere? And because if I don't have it, I can't feed him. Oh yeah, no anxiety. <laughs> yeah, and it's those messages like, you shouldn't do this. You should do that. That's bad. That's good. It's like that's all bullshit. Like just do what works I'm for doing you. Like the best that I think. <laughs> especially in like the time period now with this like pandemic and holy balls just do whatever works and like you know that works great and I'm always like the middle of the road so like I would I would breastfeed but I would also pump and bottle feed I I don't know I felt like I was always like kind of doing both ends and finding like a happy medium and I think that took a lot of stress away because I was like, nah, I'm just going to do what works y'all. Like, Oh my gosh. Second, but I feel like that comes with like the expectations and the, the perspective of round two is like so right. much less stress, so much less pressure on everything. And yeah, feeling so much, so much better, but yeah. So mm-hmm. those are some good early postpartum. I think we covered most of the bases, right? Yeah. You don't have to have sex at six weeks, by the way, just no. so, just so everyone knows, <laughs> like that is not it's a requirement okay to have. It's, a, it's okay. And good for you to have orgasms. Yeah. And you can do that without penetration. And you can do that even before six weeks. If you're, if you are so inclined and that can be helpful for your healing again, if you want to. Right. But yeah, you don't have to have P and V intercourse at six weeks postpartum you don't have to do anything you don't want to ever right exactly Uh, and when you let's release that from ourselves for sure just like prep your spouse or partner like be like that six weeks is not like a (laughs) i'm not on a time time limit right here like we will get back to that when i feel ready um but also when you do get back to it use lube like no matter if you think you need it Mm -hmm. or not just use lube because you're probably going to be a little guarded because you're nervous about how it's going to feel, which tightens things up and increases friction. Just use lube. It will be a game changer. Good lube, not Astroglide or fragrance scented stuff like a good lube. What slippery stuff is okay. No tingling gels. No tingling gels. I've used those before. Those don't tingle. Those burn. They do not feel very good. Yeah, no thanks. And like we made the mistake of like not testing it on the outside first and just like 
<laughs> just going all in. And I was like, holy mother forking your balls. Like this can't be here. good for me. This can't be good for my body. <laughs> like, my vagina's on fire. So anyway, yeah. Uh, good, clean love, slippery stuff, Uber lube, all of those good things. Make sure they are compatible with condoms. If you're using condoms, because it's not impossible to get pregnant. Also, no. don't. It is if you're not. not ready to have another baby, an Irish twin to your first child, you know, consider your birth control options. Cool. Awesome. Very um, good. Not only are we going to get two puppies, we're going to get three. <laughs> oh my gosh. What kind of dogs? I don't know. Animal control got them right before the ice storm last weekend because they found them underneath a shed and the mom was not anywhere in sight. So they didn't know what was going on. They said the mom was deceased. I think they just couldn't find her and they didn't want the puppies left there because they literally would have died. So there's like six puppies, but they look like um, they're white, not white, but they're cream colored. And they think they're like a German shepherd lab mix. So I would love a pit bull mix. I love pit bulls. I like want a pit bull so bad, but I just get real nervous about rescuing a pit bull with kids because you know they can have really sad histories but I want a pit bull I will get a pit bull someday and if we weren't like moving like you can't have pit bulls on most army bases Mm -hmm. so one day they're so cute um well know your bush love your bush spread the bush bush love You can communicate with Addie and I both in regards to the podcast questions, comments, concerns, topics that you want discussed on our podcast Facebook page, Don't Beat Around the Bush Podcast, as well as our email account, which is Don't Beat Around the Bush Podcast at gmail.com. You can also find our podcast on all the major podcast platforms. So please subscribe, comment, and share all the bushy love. It's probably pretty obvious that our episodes are edited and produced by Addie and myself. (laughs) And our music is provided by Blockhead.